Hey there, you're listening to episode two of Let's Talk About It with Khadija Aman. In this episode, I talk to comedian, actor, and writer Gary Curtis. He's been living in LA for a while now, so of course I had to get him on here to talk about his mental struggles throughout his journey and how he's been able to overcome them. We also talk about the struggles of being a person of color in the entertainment industry. So without further ado, I present to you episode two of Let's Talk About It with Khadija Aman. Enjoy! Well, first, thank you for coming. And I'd like to start this off by giving you the floor and just telling me a little bit about yourself and your background. Sure. Thanks for having me. My name is Gary Curtis. I am a comedian and an actor. Originally from New Jersey, I've been in LA now for six years, actually in a week, it'll be six years. And I've just Happy been- Happy anniversary. Thank <laughs> you, yeah, thank you. And I've just been doing the thing, uh, doing stand-up comedy um, more regularly than anything else, then uh, in and out of acting classes, going on auditions, and you know, working, working my way up. What made you want to work in entertainment? Not working in entertainment <laughs> made me want to work in entertainment. <laughs> so I went to the University of Pittsburgh where I received a finance degree and I began working in banking, which is just such an old, stale, white industry. On top of like not really being fulfilled with my job or what I was doing, the environment felt like it wasn't for me. And at the same time, I was hosting and promoting parties at night or hosting different shows when they came up. And so I would find my, I would be on stage and I would be making people laugh when I was working these shows or hosting these shows. And so the more I did it, the more I felt fulfilled. And I realized that that was the only time that I felt fulfilled. And uh, the more I hated my job as a banker and the more miserable I was in my relationship at the time, the more I realized I needed a change. I needed to make a change. And it was just like, well, where's the one place you're happy? And it was like, and making people laugh and entertaining people. So it was like, why am I trying to do anything else? <laughs> and so I talked to a couple friends who had recently moved to LA and they had moved here for music, but they were like, dude, you could move here and you can be the next, you can be the black Ryan Gosling. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's my thing. <laughs> I think you're right, that's my thing. I'm gonna be the black Ryan Gosling. Yeah. yeah. That didn't happen yet, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. I'll be, I'll be the first Gary Curtis uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, in, in a little bit. <laughs> you know, being a person of color and being in this industry, can you talk to some of like, the struggles you faced breaking in and how you dealt with those struggles? Sure. I would say the first two years are the hardest. I think the first two years in LA, mm -hmm. I think, are the hardest. And when you come here, if you don't already have a network of people that are in the industry that you're trying to work in, you're kind of going in blind, mm -hmm. which is what I did. Mm -hmm. And I mean, being a person of color, you're already outnumbered when you come in. And then people have their clicks. And so it's like, it takes a, a while to kind of figure out where you fit in and how you mm -hmm. fit in. And then what sucked is like, I thought one of the first people I met who was a person of color doing the same thing, supposed to be a comedian, actor, he was not healthy, like mentally. Mm -hmm. And he kind of was like trying to lead me astray and like it had other intentions. And so it's just hard finding someone you feel like you can trust and like a, a good mentor. Mm -hmm. 
I'd say is like the hardest part. I still, I don't say I really don't even still have a mentor. Yeah. Which is the crazy part. I've been here six years, and it's like I still, I've had like teachers and you know people who have given me advice here and there, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't say that I have a mentor in comedy or acting. What does taking care of yourself mentally and like having good mental health mean to you? And like, how do you practice that? Having good mental health to me means like being able to wake up every day and uh, be happy with yourself and know that like no matter what life throws at me today, I'll be okay. I'll keep my cool and be able to, you know, figure it out and keep moving and not be uh, destroyed or like completely set back or broken down. So that's part of it. And I think the other part of it is being able to express how you feel, whether it's to somebody or even like, and however you gotta get it out, writing it down. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of being mentally healthy as well, which thank God for stand-up comedy because mm-hmm. sometimes I'm going through stuff, I just get up on the stage and talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I feel that weight lifted off my yeah. chest. <laughs> but I know some people don't have that. So yeah. I mean, you gotta, you need somebody to talk to, uh, a book to write it down in or something. but. I think that's a huge part of it. Do you think that mental health is talked about enough in comedy specifically and in entertainment? What do you, What is your thoughts on that? There's definitely a conversation that needs to be had because when it comes to mental health and comedy, I feel like the only time it's talked about is when somebody commits suicide. Mm-hmm. And then it's obviously one too late. Mm-hmm. Two, then it's talked about for maybe a week. If you're real close to the person, then maybe you hold on to it a little longer, but everybody else, they kind of, they move on. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's weird, because there's a thing, I mean, in comedy, obviously, it's dark humor, but uh, it's something, like, people joke about a lot. But they joke about it. There are things that people joke about because they want to start a conversation, mm-hmm. and then there are things that people joke about because they're uncomfortable having a real conversation about it. And I think mental health and suicide is one of the things people joke about because they don't really want to have a real conversation about it and it's not really helpful to anybody yeah i mean that that was this is one of the main reasons why i started this podcast so that we can have these conversations and just to help people and just show them that there are other people dealing with these things and but we're still like you know we're still going so people yeah, um, yeah but yeah so i definitely agree with you on that how do you think we as creators and everybody else in the entertainment industry can bring a little bit more awareness to this mental health conversation other than doing like podcasts and like do you think there's any other ways that we could spark conversations? Yeah. I mean I think especially when you get these corporate jobs or jobs with studios or anything, I think there needs to be time set aside strictly for mental health discussion, mm-hmm. or whether it's actual discussion or whether it's meditation. Uh, like one of the two, a mix of the two, because yeah, it's just not happening enough. And I think everybody just assumes that everyone is okay. Unless people see somebody breaking down or, and mm-hmm. crying, you just assume that somebody's okay, which is rarely the case. Mm-hmm. The, the person breaking down and crying is usually more okay than the person that's not, because <laughs> they're at least getting out their feelings where the other person is bottling it up, mm-hmm. and uh, they're not showing anybody or even lying to themselves about how they feel until it gets to a point where, you know, they can't anymore. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's one thing that needs to be done. Yeah. I, yeah. Shifting gears a little bit, being a person of color, what privileges do you feel like you have in the entertainment industry and what privileges do you feel like you don't have? I don't feel like I got any privilege yeah. in the entertainment <laughs> industry. I mean, I, and, my, and my privilege is uh, something I don't know about. I wish you would speak up because <laughs> it ain't working too hard for me yeah. right now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's funny to me that people talk about like 
because of diversity, it's like, oh, now, uh, now black actors are getting so many more jobs, white actors are losing out on mm-hmm. jobs. You know, the whole like same affirmative action thing. Shit, just as fast as like black people were hot, mm-hmm. not again. <laughs> like it's, it, it came and went just like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think it's like anything hot. I mean, there are more people of color who are telling stories, mm-hmm. I think, and so we're telling our own stories. But I still think, I mean, the number of opportunities compared for a person of color compared to a white person in Hollywood, they still don't come close. Mm-hmm. And then, like, something that just happened that pissed me off with that thing, which they had Tyra Banks on the cover of Sports Illustrated again recently, mm-hmm. which is dope. Shout out to Tyra. <laughs> Everything she's done, you know what I mean? She's beautiful. She's dope. Mm-hmm. Still looks great. <laughs> 25 years later on the cover again. But my thing be like, how many new dope black women have came along mm-hmm. since then that could have graced the cover mm-hmm. that you don't have to keep going back to the same people like to me you don't see new people of color introduced every day in entertainment mm-hmm. where i feel like they pick and they they have their like there was like made this time in the 90s where it was like this huge black surge like surge in entertainment and i 20 years later, them same people from the 90s are the same ones that like Hollywood keeps going back to. I mean, unless you're Kevin Hart or The Rock. Or who, like, what <laughs> other household yeah. names, you know what I mean, have we had since then? Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting to me. So I don't feel like I have <laughs> any privilege. <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, casting directors, when it comes to casting directors, there's, I mean, the number of white casting directors, the black casting mm-hmm. directors. This is what, three black casting directors mm-hmm. that everybody uses? Yeah. And then the, all the rest are white, three or four yeah. for all the black projects. <laughs> you know, being a person of color, is it harder to talk about mental health? And do you think there are more opportunities for, you know, white people or you know, different races than there are for black people when it comes to mental health and like those resources and things like that? I think that when it comes to mental health with black people, especially, I think it falls more on our upbringing and mm-hmm. our family. Yeah and the dismissal of mm. any type of mental illness yeah. being a result or a cause for anything. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I had a friend who was here who moved here to be a singer and he, we believe he developed paranoid schizophrenia, but he clearly was mentally ill. He wasn't the person he was when he moved here. He was living alone. He like just started to like go down this wormhole and he clearly just wasn't healthy and he went back home and we tried to tell his family, we're like, we've watched him spiral out mm-hmm. of control. And we're telling you, like, something he's not right mentally. And they're like, nah, he's on drugs. And we're like, no, 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 I'm telling you, like, yeah, we don't do this <laughs> to you. Like, <laughs> there's millions of people in L.A. right now smoking weed and nobody is acting like this. I'm telling you something's wrong. But, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know why it's like that <clears throat> or what it is. But I think the for some reason, I don't know, the white community has been more accepting and acknowledging of mental illness Mm -hmm. as a serious problem Mm -hmm. in today's society and I don't know maybe I think professionally I would say like acting class has probably been like the most therapeutic thing and I Mm -hmm. think it's because so many people in like that community go through it that it's taken very seriously but when it comes to I think maybe outside of that community black people may not feel as comfortable having someone to talk to, especially if they're not, if they don't have a real job mm-hmm. or a network where that those kind of benefits are provided, then, I mean, who do they have? They have their family and their friends, and then yeah. if their family or their friends don't take it seriously, then who do they go to? Yeah, yeah, that's true. So I know we talked about this a little bit, but 
how do you like overcome your mental struggles? Like, do you like go to the gym? Do you do you, you do the stand up stuff? Like, yeah. what are some things that you do? So, when I feel like I'm struggling mentally, the gym definitely helps. Mm -hmm. I forget who I was listening. I was listening to somebody, but they were saying like, when you exercise, it's almost impossible to be sad mm -hmm. because like you're doing something good for your body. It feels good. You know you're gonna feel better about yourself when it's over, and like you're going through the process of it. Even if you start sad or like mm -hmm. you have a sad thought, like you feel better about yourself. And so the gym is a huge help. And then, yeah, something I was mentioning earlier, if I was only an actor and I was only going on auditions for the past five years and being told no mm -hmm. every, every audition for the past five years, then I may have lost my mind by now. Yeah. <laughs> but luckily, <laughs> I do have stand-up comedy and getting on stage and being able to express myself and uh, get things off my chest. And to me, the biggest benefit, and I think what brings the most joy to me, is watching other people laugh. Like me bringing joy to other people and seeing that I can brighten somebody else's day mm -hmm. kind of will always make me feel better. And so that's kind of, to me, the, the healthiest thing that I yeah. can do. Could people of color be racist? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask that one. <laughs> I'm going to try to give the Amanda Seals answer. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? People of color cannot be racist. <laughs> Because we have no system of power to oppress <laughs> <laughs> people. But I felt like that was like the perfect answer. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, because when you think of racism, at least when I think of racism, I, you do. You think of a system of power holding people down and back from progress uh, just because of their race. And it's like, mm -hmm. though black people can say, just throwing it out there, I don't like, I don't like white people. By us saying I don't like white people, we're not stopping them from getting business loans. We're not stopping them mm -hmm. from living in the neighborhoods that they want to live in. We're not stopping them mm -hmm. from getting the jobs that they want to mm -hmm. get. They're still like able to greatly accomplish all of those things. Mm -hmm. It's just us possibly having a prejudice for whatever reason we may have one. Right. Whereas white people have historically <laughs> and systematically <laughs> held people down and back because of their belief of being superior for mm. whatever crazy ass yeah. reason. This might get a little deep sentimental, but Ooh. are you happy with the person you're becoming? Like since being here for you know five, six years, are you happy with who you're finally becoming? And yeah, yeah, that? absolutely. Uh, it's crazy, I kind of touched on it earlier, but I mean, it's weird. I feel like each of my acting classes has been some sort of therapy for me. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll say my, my two best ones. And when I moved here, I didn't know kind of what I was doing and was allowing the wrong people like to drag me through, I don't know, whatever BS that they wanted mm -hmm. to drag me through. And, and my acting teacher told me, she was like, you got to look at yourself. You could keep blaming everything around you, but like you got to look at where you're putting yourself. Are you putting yourself in the right situations like at the right time? And... Are you allowing yourself, are you giving yourself the opportunity to be your best self or are you wasting time doing a bunch of things that have nothing to do with what you want to do? Mm -hmm. I was like, damn, you're right, okay. And so then I kind of like made that change. And then, I don't know, more recently, I think the more I've just done what I came here to do, the better I've felt about myself. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to get distracted with LA and yeah, yeah. La La Land. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> it's so many distractions. But mm -hmm. like, I think when you really feel like you're living your purpose, which I, I feel like I'm doing at this point, I'm definitely, I'm happier than I've ever been. Mm -hmm. A healthy relationship helps. Like yeah. I, I, have a, I have a girlfriend who supports me like yeah. with everything I do and pushes me to be better and like wants to see me succeed. And so, I mean, that 
also makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Not that you should base your happiness on somebody else, mm -hmm. but having a support system like behind you for sure helps. Is there any advice you would give to our listeners? Anything that you would say just to lift up their spirits and like let them know that they're not alone? Yeah, absolutely. Y'all heard me, I'm about to hit six years in LA. I have not booked a real TV role, what I would call a real TV <laughs> role yet. <laughs> so yeah, you gotta just keep going. And I think what I've found, and you'll hear this a bunch of times, and I don't know when it'll finally click for you, but like, I don't know, this year in acting classes when it kind of finally, it like really started to click and I was really able to bring it together, is that you really just have to be so comfortable with yourself mm -hmm. that even if you somebody tells you no or somebody doesn't want you for a project or anything, you just know it wasn't for you and that your opportunity will come because I know that I'm working and I'm becoming better every day. And you have to just have that faith in yourself mm -hmm. that uh, the time will come. Before I came out here, somebody told me it was going to take 10 years. I was like, girl, <laughs> I'll give it five. <laughs> and then it's like just now in my sixth year where I feel like, I'm really starting to figure things out and the opportunity may not come this year. I'm getting more and more opportunities coming my way, but like, I don't know, the big one you're looking for is probably always gonna take a little longer than mm -hmm. you want it to. And then also, then once you get it, you can be like, oh, well, what's the next one? Yeah, like, right, it's never, exactly, it's never exactly. a no. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I think even <laughs> thinking like that you're gonna get the one and, and like, you're gonna be happy, like yeah. it's, it's not it, it's never gonna be enough. So and you just gotta keep working and just be so happy with yourself yeah. that you know that uh, you're doing what you need to do. Yeah, I would agree. I'm working on that right now, like just being comfortable with myself, being comfortable with the stories that I'm telling and like standing behind them and not being so like, okay, yeah, I'll change it or whatever just to make others happy, like, right. you know. But yeah, so definitely working on that. And so I second what Gary said, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so I like to end each interview with some fun questions. Okay. If you could live in any movie or TV show, what would it be and why? Ooh, if I could live in any uh, TV show, mm. I already know it would be Boardwalk Empire. Mm. Strictly for the suits. <laughs> strictly for the, for the three-piece suits. Uh, <laughs> the carnations in my lapel. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was just... It was a dangerous time, but it was, <laughs> everybody was just so dapper and fly, mm -hmm. and I, I like that. It's, it's weird how uh, we all know that they look better and like dress better, and we all think that look great, but we still walk around sloppy as hell mm. today. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it yeah. looked good back then, but like now, it's, it's cool to be sloppy, so. Yeah. <laughs> what fictional character do you wish you could meet, and why? Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, I mean, he was, he was just the first, coolest character that I was introduced to like as a mm -hmm. kid and I just remember everywhere I went I would be like I'm the Fresh Prince of middle school I'm the Fresh <laughs> Prince like wherever I was I was like I'm the Fresh yeah. Prince and so I would say he probably was the character that like influenced me most growing mm -hmm. up and so yeah having a conversation with the Fresh yeah. Prince would be dope <laughs> yeah my brother's obsessed with friend, uh, was obsessed with Fresh Prince back in the day so understand um yeah, I would love to meet that fictional character too. But what's one song you absolutely have to sing along to or rap along to? Like you can't help yourself, like you have to. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the first one that came to mind is like my get hype song mm -hmm. is Meek Mill's Dreams and Nightmares. Oh, okay. You know this song? Um, I don't know. It's like a, it's like the most hood <laughs> uh, get hype song, intro <laughs> song. And it's like one of, the, it has to be the greatest intro song ever oh, okay. to an album. <laughs> But uh, 
it just talks about it talks about his come up and okay. um you probably know it or you I probably get heard it. it. Uh, yeah, I probably heard it. Where he's like rapping and the beat doesn't really drop but he's rapping for like a while for like a minute and then like it's like a quick breath and then he's like hold up wait a minute. Y'all <laughs> thought I was finished? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I think I did yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> and that one is just that's my like before I go into a show, mm-hmm. like if I'm about to do anything big, like that's my get hype song that yeah. I I have to listen to, and like and rap with yeah. before I go in. That's <laughs> cool. <laughs> Thank you for coming in again. Thanks for having me. That concludes episode two of Let's Talk About It with Khadija Aman. Did you like the episode? What was your favorite part? Tweet me your thoughts at underscore Khadija Aman. And use the hashtag Let's Talk About It so that I can see it. You can also follow me on Instagram at Let's Talk About It 20. On my Instagram, you'll get to know the guests a little better, and they might just have a fun question for you. Hope to see you there. Thank you so much for listening, and be sure to tune in every Thursday for new episodes. Bye!